You're listening to the Eat With Grace podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. Jackie Neinheis, registered dietitian and professor of culinary medicine. And I am your co-host, Brooke Fredrickson, registered dietitian and certified diabetes care and education specialist. And we are here to challenge a culture around food and nutrition from a biblical perspective. This is Dr. Jackie Neinheis with uh, co-host, Brooke Fredrickson, and we're going to look a little bit today at some of the myths of intuitive eating. Brooke, I think you have worked with um, patients on intuitive eating for a long time, and you probably have seen all kinds of different misconceptions or, or things that people thought about intuitive eating that just really aren't true. What, what is one of your top things that you've heard? I think one of the main assumptions of intuitive eating, and I think this arrives from uh, the marketing of it, or maybe some of the messaging of it on social media. If you go to Instagram or anywhere in uh, even Pinterest, if you search the term intuitive eating or hashtag intuitive eating, you're going to see a lot of accounts that are um, talking all about donuts and ice cream. And so I think there's this misconception that intuitive eating is all about um, eating whatever, whatever, let's say, so-called junk food that you want. Um, and that's what it is. Uh, and I think that's a really unfortunate way of viewing it. Now, I'm going to give a, an example. I had someone reach out to me just a couple of weeks ago um, and say that, you know, they've been wanting to try to eat intuitively. Uh, they had done some really restrictive dieting in the past and they wanted to get more intuitive eating. And so they were trying to incorporate more foods into their diet. And every time they increased uh, their sugar intake, uh, she she felt horrible and she she didn't like the way that she felt. And so then she would go back to to not eating that way. And then when she would add it, um, you know, the more she added it, the worse she would feel. And she's like, I'm just struggling because I really want to eat intuitively and I don't know what to do. And I was like, well, why do you need to eat sugar? You know, like if, if sugar makes you feel bad, then don't do it. Like intuitive eating is all about paying attention to your hunger and fullness, paying attention to the way your body feels when you feed it certain ways. Um, and if feeding your body, you know, higher, you know, whatever level amount of sugar she was eating, I'm not sure I didn't ask specifics, uh, but whatever level of sugar makes you feel bad physically, then you don't have to eat sugar. Uh, and she felt really, um, I think probably surprised at my answer, maybe a little bit validated, like, oh, really? Like, I don't have to eat sugar uh, to eat intuitively. And I was like, no, it's, you know, that is intuitive eating. Paying attention to how you feel when you eat certain foods is intuitive eating. Uh, and that diet, you know, whatever you're eating can look different to everyone. You know, someone someone who eats intuitively might eat um, higher amounts of processed food. Someone else who is eating intuitively might eat, um, you know, more of a, a vegetarian diet or or a whole foods diet. I think it, there's so much flexibility in there because it is individualized. I think that's the most important thing to know and, and to pay attention to. That, that is very, very interesting. Now, I noticed when you're talking, you use the word diet as that diet can look very different to other people. Now, um, the way you're using that word is very different than, that's as a noun. It's very different than using it as a verb to diet. Mm -hmm. And um, 
that's just one word that sometimes gets confusing because with intuitive eating, we don't necessarily think of it as a restrictive kind of diet, dieting kind of thing. But um, when we talk about diet in our sense, in these terms, we're talking the overall pattern of how you eat. Yes. And um, so, you know, it's very interesting. We have different words that can mean different things to different people. And intuitive mm -hmm. eating has gotten a little bit of a, um, a tag on of, oh, if I can eat whatever I want, that means I'll eat junk food all day. But actually, I think what you find is if you, when you start thinking about what you're eating and um, eating purposefully and enjoying your food, that sometimes you make healthier decisions. You mm -hmm. make um, decisions that taste good. Now, sometimes we have habits that even with intuitive eating, it's nice to break. If um, you are used to going through the drive-through of fast food restaurants and ordering uh, one particular thing all the time, you know, you might want to think about having your lunch, taking a lunch in, in those times so that you're not going through the drive-through or maybe choosing different things. But I know... Sometimes we have habits that it's really not even our favorite thing to eat. It's just what we always eat. And we confuse these habits of what we constantly reach for and what our favorite foods really are. I know, um, like, put a really delicious salad down beside some of the other foods that you have a tendency to uh, grab and taste it and say, you know, what what really tastes good to me? Do fresh foods taste good? Or do some of these other foods taste good? And there's no right or wrong answer. But I think it's important to ask ourselves a little bit about why we're eating and what we're eating it. And is it what we really enjoy? Yes. And a big part of the I think misconceptions come from, you know, the word feel or feeling. Uh, like you said, we you can sit down and you can judge two different meals, you know, one being a salad versus one being maybe a fast food meal, and you can judge it on the taste, but you can also judge it on the way that it makes you physically feel. Not what your feelings are at the time, because that's emotional eating. But when we when we actually see like how does our body physically feel after we eat certain foods, I think a lot of people would say they might feel more sluggish after a fast food meal versus you know, a really yummy salad, that, that's possible. Um, and so that's where you really need to kind of do your own self-analysis and figure out what, what makes your body feel good. How do you feel your best? How do you have the most energy? What makes you feel the best when you eat in certain ways? And then that's gonna help determine your food choices because there is a, there is a rational part of our brain that's involved in our, in our uh, choosing of what we eat, right? In our decision-making. Um, and sometimes, you know, wisdom needs to be part of that. And we need to make choices based on our health. And we need to make choices because we know things are good for our body. Um, you know, we also, though, take into account taste. We take into account what our energy needs are at the moment. We take into account, you know, how, how a certain food makes us feel. I think all of those things can be incorporated. And that's what makes it intuitive. Because intuitive eating isn't it's not a new concept. It's not a new diet. It's not a new way of eating. What it really is, is it's going back to the way people ate 
200 years ago before they had other people telling them how to eat. Like before we had diet books and, and gurus and nutritionists and everyone telling us how to eat, it's just how people ate. They paid attention to their body. They ate what food was available. They ate when they were hungry. They stopped when they were full. That's it. It's just, it's really simple. And so, uh, yeah, that's, that's where I wanted to leave that. You know, it is really simple, but I also think that it can be a little bit hard to figure out how to eat like we do not know anything about all the restrictive eating of our culture because our culture influences us so much that it's hard to get rid of those thoughts it's hard to get rid of the the um a lifetime of being told oh no you can't eat this can't eat this can't eat that kind of thing and that's the very first step of intuitive eating is to reject the diet mentality because it does require a retraining of your mind and how you think about food and how you see your body. Because until you address that, until you address all of those lies um, and rules and um, things that you you know have in your mind from years of following diets, until you get rid of that, you can't really learn how to eat intuitively. Yeah. And I, I find it's really hard when you have certain thought patterns and you've had them for years to get rid of them. And I personally find that um, there are some memory verse, some verses that I've memorized that help me do that. And one is Philippians 4, 8. And it's, um, therefore, brothers, if there is anything true, if there's anything honorable, if there is anything pure, if there's anything just, if there's anything loving, if there's anything commendable, let your mind dwell on these things. And what that verse is telling me is I don't need to have my mind dwelling on those things I used to think I had to think about. I can have my mind free of those. So every time those thoughts come into my mind, I need to kind of recircuit them. And um, saying some kind of a verse or having, um, you know, just even a phrase that we tell ourselves helps. And, and sometimes we start to feel kind of guilty about things we're not supposed to feel guilty for. We might feel shame for things we really shouldn't feel shame for, but old habits do die hard. So one of the things that, that can help us is just telling ourselves, I'm a child of God. I am dearly loved. And although I'm a sinner, you know, he has clothed me in righteousness. He has made me white as snow. And so it helps me say, no, none of that is anything like food wise that I need to be ashamed of. Like eating something that I used to think I couldn't eat. I need to get rid of the thoughts surrounding that. Right. I think some other misconceptions about intuitive eating. Um... Jackie, we, we were talking a little bit before we started recording was about, was it about the lack of structure and health? Is that what it was? I think there's this, this common misunderstanding that uh, maybe health doesn't matter and structure doesn't matter. And it's just kind of like fly by the seat of your pants. Um, again, that is not true. Uh, structure, I think is an important part of healthy eating um, and intuitive eating, because again, eating at regular times, eating regular balanced meals, your body kind of creates this rhythm and you're gonna be able to better recognize and control those hunger and fullness 
feelings or levels. You're going to know that if you have a more stable, structured eating pattern than is than if you have um, a really chaotic one where maybe you're not eating breakfast and then you have a a tiny lunch because you're rushed and then you have this huge meal and you get home because you're starving and then you eat all night. Like that's just chaos. And so structure is actually good. Structure is a good thing. And it's, it's a really important part of intuitive eating because it actually kind of resets your body's internal mechanisms uh, and how your, your appetite and your fullness hormones work. So I think that's important to note. Uh, same with the health part. Gentle nutrition is part of intuitive eating. It is the very last step of it. Because again, we don't want to make it into a diet, but it is included in there because it is so important. We all know that there are certain foods that are more healthful for us. If anyone has gone in through any basic nutrition class, we know that. We know that fruits and vegetables provide us good things. We know that whole grains are good. We know that lean meats provide us protein for building muscle and fats and whatever. Um, we know these things. And so I think it would be really irresponsible, unwise, immature, you know, I'm, I'm not sure to not eat those things, like knowing that something's good for us, and then specifically choosing not to eat them because we don't feel like it. I think that's a problem. I think we need to get to a point where um, we can make those decisions to eat those things because we know they're good for us. Can we incorporate other pleasure foods into our life? Of course we can. We can give ourselves permission to eat all those foods. Nothing has to be off limits, um, but we should be eating for the most part um, you know, whole healthy foods most of the time. I think it's really interesting to look back on your own patterns of eating in your own life and think about times when you ate a certain way because that's all there was available. I know when I was on a trip to Africa, really the only foods available were really fresh fruits and vegetables, uh, whole grains, there really was no processed or packaged foods. And that was a very interesting experience for me because when we came back to the United States, even flying in, landing in the airport, we were just overwhelmed and such a negative feeling about all the processed foods we saw because we had been on this, um, this kind of, uh, fresh fruits, vegetables, whole grains, because that's all that was available to us. And I made this, pack. I said, I am never going back to the way I was. I was talking about the way I ate. I was also talking about my attitude towards life and people, because I had found people that had a lot of joy, even though they had very little material things. Mm -hmm. So in that way, I wanted to change and not go back the way I was before. But also I was like, I felt good eating that way. And so I wanted to, to continue. And I actually would get physically almost sick and definitely not feel as well if I ate fried foods because I hadn't had any for so long. So um, mm. I did go back to my old patterns of eating within you know a few months, but it was, I bet everybody's had some experience where They've been really healthy for a while. And at first it's a change in your taste buds, but after you're on it for a while, that becomes kind of the preference mm -hmm. as compared to some of the heavier, greasier food that um, we in America are so used to eating. Yeah, you can definitely retrain yourself to uh, prefer certain foods or certain tastes. Um, I think again, paying attention to how those foods make you feel 
um, is a big one. Because I think, you know, think, for example, someone who does eat fast food every day, maybe they've never, maybe it's been, you know, months or years since they've gone without eating fast food for a period of time. It'd be interesting for someone to try, do that, give it up you know, for a week or two and see how you physically feel. They might feel amazing and be like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that I was feeling poorly because I've just been always doing this. This is how I've always felt and this is how I've always ate. Um, I think a lot of people, I think this is why we get the placebo effect, uh, whether it's the placebo effect or it's actual um, improvements in, you know, health and well-being when people go on diets um, is because of those changes. You know, a lot of times it might not be Maybe they weren't eating, you know, horribly before they went on the diet, but when they start it, it does give you this sense of this new sense of control and confidence and like people just feel better when they first go on a diet. Um, I think there's a lot of research, you know, about the placebo effect out there and, and how much of that is, is true and not we can talk about that maybe some other time, Jackie. Um, but yeah, I think anytime someone switches their diet or makes changes like that, there is going to be this heightened sense of of well-being from it. Do you have you ever experienced that, or do you find that's true? Yes, yes, definitely. I think that um, that changing our eating patterns definitely can have a positive psychological effect. It can have a positive physical effect. It can have a positive um, kind of spiritual effect on us. Sometimes when I'm eating better my mind feels more clear and it feels um, more like I am clear in my prayers and uh, clear in, in thinking of verses that come to mind. So I don't know if that's just a placebo effect, but I can mm. feel better all the way around. Interesting. Yeah. Maybe we'll have to do a, a podcast on the placebo effect and look into a little bit. Um, okay. Any other misconceptions about intuitive eating. Um, I guess one other one that I that I think of is um, where, where it refers to body positivity and weight, you know, like intuitive eating is not a weight loss diet. It's very um, specific to that where, where the goal is to, to change your behaviors and the way that you think about food in your body. But a huge part of it is respecting your body. Um, respecting the body that you have and taking care of it well. That includes exercise, that includes um, food, that includes, you know, de-stressing and sleep. I mean, it can include all of those things. Um, but again, a lot of intuitive eating accounts that you might see or follow on social media, um, a lot of them actually have become like fat promoting um, in a sense. And um, some of them actually encourage emotional eating. And I just think that's that's unhealthy. I don't think that's the way I don't think that's true intuitive eating um, because I think it's, it's giving too much power or too much um, focus on, on the emotional aspect of our brain that makes decision and not the rational part. I think there needs to be balance in there. And we, when we give it all to the emotional and we just do whatever feels good and what makes us feel good in the moment, that's, that's not true because it's removing that rational part that's saying, hey, if I indulge in this right now, I might feel worse later, or there might be consequences later. Um, and we'd have to have both of those aspects as part of the decision-making process. And a couple of things that maybe people aren't as aware of about intuitive eating, that intuitive eating is also um, talking about discovering the satisfaction factor of foods, that um, some foods you feel 
very satisfied after eating and it's not necessarily a physical response because there is a physical response of satisfaction, but I'm thinking more of the psychological satisfaction of certain foods. And it also, a part of intuitive eating is challenging the food police. Um, if not verbally out loud to other people, at least in your own head, so that you can um, honor your feelings about food without the interference of the shoulds and the shouldn'ts and uh, the restrictions and things like that. So um, all of these are, are ways of kind of honoring your relationship with food in a new way that maybe you haven't done in the past. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say for anyone who, who wants to eat intuitively, I would say, I would suggest reading the book rather than just following. I mean, I think there's a lot of good social media accounts out there. There's some good podcasts. Um, again, there's some that focus, I think, too much on the emotional aspect of it and doing what you want um, versus um, the health aspect. There's some that, you know, I think they probably fall on all sides of, of the coin, but I think the best way to get the most accurate information about it is to just read the book, um, the book Intuitive Eating uh, by Evelyn Triboli and uh, Lise Reich, uh, Resch, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, but that's where I would start if anyone is, is really concerned about it. But yeah. You can always reach out to us too and ask questions. I can try to answer them the best that I can through through messaging or whatever. But so um, let's talk for just a minute about sure. intuitive eating. Um, for people, some people has worked really well. For those people who it hasn't worked well, where is the biggest failure? What are some of the failures that happen that, that keep it from being um, something that they can sustain long term? I would say the people who struggle with it, um, I would say their biggest complaint is they don't feel like there's enough structure. Um, they still feel out of control. They still feel like they need um, a structured eating plan, which again, I think structure is okay. Um, I kind of eat my meals at the same time every day. Like that's, that's fine. I think a lot of it, again, veers back to them hanging on to that diet mentality. They still have in the back of their mind, either a whole bunch of rules that they've, um, that they've learned about food in the past and haven't unlearned or haven't gotten rid of, or they still in the back of their mind have this really um, heavy focus on, on weight loss or, or changing their body. Uh, rather than paying attention to their body, they've just relied on these external controls for so long that they don't know how to get to that internal place. Uh, so I think, you know, I've had a couple of clients who've, who've done really well um, and have learned to eat intuitively really well. Um, I've had a couple who I've worked with that, you know, for a few years um, who still struggle. They still keep going back to that diet mentality and what I should or shouldn't be doing and, um, you know, kind of being scared that maybe they're eating too many calories or scared that they're, they're not eating the right foods or things like that. And so, um, again, it's a process. It's something that just takes time. Uh, it's going to look different to everyone. I'm sure my intuitive eating looks different than your intuitive eating, Jackie. Um, but yeah, I would say structure is probably one of the biggest things that people feel like they don't have with it because it's not a menu that you're given that says, eat these foods at this time of the day, right? Because that's easy to do. We can all do that. I think people people crave that. They want someone else to just tell just tell me exactly what to eat and I'll do it. 
Um, but when they have to, when they have to make up their own decisions and when they have to kind of evaluate their own behaviors and when they have to do some problem solving and troubleshooting, I think people get, um, people get stuck with that or they give up after they, they have to do that part of it. And sometimes people think it's all about instinct, about um, just what, what your gut tells you when you're hungry or not hungry. But sometimes we forget that there's a lot of emotion and thought that comes into play with different foods. Like uh, we're coming up towards the holidays and during the holidays, there are certain foods that trigger certain memories. Some trigger these wonderful um, memories that you love the traditions behind them and you enjoy the foods with it. And so that's a very positive kind of thing. Others might remind you of hoarding candy or hoarding uh, treats at holiday time, or um, it might remind you of, of negative experiences with food. And so that's not just a feeling of how full you are or <laughs> not full. It, it makes a difference to those emotions that go with our food. And I just think there are, are a ton of emotions surrounding our food at the holidays. And it's so important, um, again, to work on that, that emotional aspect of it. I know we've done a podcast on emotional eating. Uh, there is a whole, you know, one of the steps of intuitive eating is learning how to cope with your emotions outside, you know, without using food. Uh, and that I would say, again, is probably one of the, one of the ones that people struggle with the most, because so many people use food as a crutch or use food to make them feel better. Uh, even people who don't realize it, they wouldn't call themselves an emotional eater, do it. If you, if you go through their food history and their food recall and try to kind of figure out what their eating patterns are, uh, a lot of it does come through that way. So uh, I do think that's a very, very common problem, especially in America. So emotional eating is an interesting thing when you're talking about it towards um, intuitive eating, because emotional eating can be a time where some people eat more during stress and other people eat less during stress and how your body digests and process of food is different for different people. So sometimes under stress, people will get diarrhea or sometimes under stress, people can be constipated and it is expedited by what you're eating and um, the combinations of foods that you're eating. So yeah. uh, all of that uh, plays into some of the myths, some of the misconceptions that are surrounding intuitive eating. Yeah. So to wrap it up, I would say... Um, if, if intuitive eating is something that you're working towards, if, if it's something that you're interested in, I would definitely educate yourself on it first and foremost. If you can read the book, do that. Um, feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions specifically. Um, but also remember that intuitive eating is just a way of paying attention to your body and how your body feels when you eat. Um, how it feels when you eat certain foods, how it feels with different timings of your meals, different spacing of your meals. It's kind of a trial and error. You just try out some different things and see how do I feel the best? Um, how am I honoring my body, right? By eating when I'm hungry and stopping when I'm full, how am I respecting it and taking care of it by giving it um, adequate nutrition and exercise? And so all of those things 
are part of that. So that's where I would leave it. Anything else, Jackie? You know, it's been a great time just talking about intuitive eating and some of the myths and misconceptions of it. And we would love to answer any questions. We'd love to hear from you. So let us know what your concerns are and how we might be able to address those in future podcasts. Sounds great. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Eat With Grace podcast. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing so you don't miss an episode. We would love to have you leave a review or comment on our Instagram page. It's been great to share this time with you. And we pray that you have a grace-filled day. 